Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. The podcast, obviously, for Gopher fans and Buckeye fans, because that's what we care about here is Big Ten football, right, Nelly? Yeah, you know me. I love my gophers. See. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I had I another it. fan out there. At least one more. There are dozens of us, Nelly. Dozens. But Shane, how are those uh, those uh, Buckeyes doing? Look, they're 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 doing good. You know, spring spring practices coming up here, so I'm excited. Buckeyes gonna be great. Win a national championship. All's all's fun in the world. Did you just already call them national champions? <laughs> It's like, there's no way that comes coming. back to bite you. No, there's no way I'm jinxing it in April. Here's the here's the here's a question for you, Shane. Would, would right. you rather? Like, I know it's a stupid question, but I think it's kind of yeah. fun. Would you rather win a national championship? Yeah. And lose to Michigan. Ooh. Or beat Michigan, and still make the playoffs and end up losing. Um, I, man, that, that's tough. Uh, this might be blasphemous, but I'd rather win the national championship. Like, like I, I get could, that. I could take losing to Michigan if you win it all and you're, you know, I mean, come on. Like, that's the ultimate goal, right? And at, at this point with the playoff, it feels better. I think maybe before there was a playoff, maybe I would have said Michigan. But, you know, if you're going to beat like right. Alabama on the way, like, uh, come on. Right, because realistically, right, if you end up losing to Michigan, the chances that you make like the national championship before it was the playoff was probably pretty slow or pretty low yeah. rather. Yeah, right. So right. It, it just doesn't make a ton of sense, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I'd rather win. Not that I'm not mean, that I have to worry about a national championship on the line. PJ Fleck. He's got some pull. Yeah. You know what? Here's what I will tell you. Got a uh, breakfast scheduled. Uh, early Saturday morning with PJ Fleck on April 30th. So we'll, uh, we'll report back. While, while the draft is happening, Kane is going to be having breakfast with PJ Fleck. You know, sometimes you have breakfast before the spring game with PJ Fleck. Uh, Look at it. Yeah, hey, that's that's good. That's good. I love it. I love it. Our, uh, my my internet's terrible, so we're just gonna we're just gonna see what happens. I'm certainly not gonna edit anything. Nah, um, you're good. Yeah. So, Nelly, what's one player you're actually liking right now that uh, everyone else hates? Potentially named. I love players? I love Malik Willis. Hell yeah! <laughs> and why do you like Malik Willis? 
I like Malik Willis because he runs really well, and he's going to be drafted very early. That's fair. Um, oh, I should. We should probably mention we have a guest on, um, and th- this was basically a question to just bait John. Um, so at Dynasty Coach A on on Twitter, so make sure you're following him. Um, you can find him a variety of different places. Um, so make sure you're checking out uh, the Monocle Dynasty podcast. Uh, make sure that you're looking at some of the Debbie stuff that he's doing. He has his own Patreon, does a lot of uh, database stuff with with our friend Spaceman. So make sure you're checking all that stuff out. But John, welcome to the pod. And uh, why do you hate Malik Willis? <laughs> Thank you very much. And I, I guess I have to ask because uh, you know we talked about it a little bit before we jumped on. But um, are you looking for the short answer or the long answer? Because I'm kind of assuming you want the short answer, but I definitely am prepared for the long answer. <laughs> you just. You just we'll, we'll just see where it takes us. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'll give you the short answer to begin with, and then you know maybe I know I know Nelly. You know we'll probably have some rebuttals and everything. And then we could probably get into the long answer, and then we can do you know a good two hours solid. Um, but, but basically, uh, I guess the, the the short story is is that Malik Willis is just not a very good prospect. Um, he's not a very good QB. Uh, he's not very good at uh, hashtag throwing the ball. And, uh, you know, he's not even as good at running the ball as some of the other rushing quarterbacks that we've seen come into the league, like a Lamar, ja- Lamar Jackson, like uh, you know, Trey Lance, like a even uh, you know Jalen Hurts, you know, guys like that. They're better at rushing the ball. And they're a thousand times better at throwing the ball. So, uh, you know, why am I going to get excited about Malik Willis when he can't even do those things. So that's, that's kind of the short story. So I I think it's, I think one reason to be excited about Malik Willis, right. Is, is from a value perspective, right? If we take all of his, his prospectus out, right. Let's take all of his playing out of things. Realistically, Malik Willis is going to have a value insulation that carries, um, probably through at least this entire year and to the start of next season during startups, right? Mm-hmm. If, if we just look at the history, especially perfect case when we had five wide receivers go in the first round of this last draft class, um, I realize they're much better prospects than Malik Willis, right? Um, almost all of them are better prospects than Malik <laughs> Willis. I get that, but they still had a value insulation that was incredibly high, right? I think the, the biggest change in ADP, was Zach Wilson going down, I think, like four or five spots. But even going down just four or five spots isn't that dramatic when we were already looking at a quarterback two, right? Zach Wilson never was never going in that top 12, top 15 quarterback range, realistically. So it's not like he gained or lost a ton of value. So I think the the thing that has me excited the most about Malik Willis is that there's just another quarterback that allows me to have a year and see if I can hit. And if those odds continue to decrease like Trevor Lawrence this season, right? Well, then I can move off of them now and still get close to the same value than I bought in on. No, absolutely. And there's, there's no one right way to, to play or anything like that. And the thing is, you're probably right about the fact that he's not going to lose value or if he does, it'll probably be minimal, but I'm not looking for players who are only going to lose a little bit of value or even keep their value. I'm looking for players that are going to gain value. And I don't see Malik Willis gaining value in year one. I just don't see it happening. He's a very raw prospect that has some exciting uh, intangibles or whatever you want to call it. And so I can see him being something in the future 
I don't necessarily uh, like think it's likely, but I, I definitely see the possibility of him being something with that rushing ability. But I kind of just want to, I, I want to go get players like a Najee Harris from last year that's going to gain value, a Brees Hall from this year that's going to gain value. You know, and obviously even the you know, Jamar Chase, uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, like players like that. I, they all gained value because they were good players and you were able to figure out that they were good players and draft them, have them score points for your team, and then have them gain value. Whereas I think Malik Willis is going to be a not-so-good player who's raw and needs time, not going to play in year one, not going to score your fantasy points, and then next year you're like, yeah, but he didn't lose value. Um that doesn't make you wrong or, <laughs> or make me right or anything like that. But I've just like, you know, and obviously you have the ability to trade and, and do other things, but I just don't like telling people to go, to go draft a player that I don't think is going to be good and then say, Oh, but you can trade them because I'd just rather tell you to draft the right player and not have to trade for you know, for a different player. I think it's fair. Um, I think, you know, this podcast is uh, the marketplace. So it is about trade, trading and trading a lot and trading value. So, you know, that that's always kind of our approach is like you said, you know, if you, if you're trying to hit on the, the best players and get that value gain, you know, you're gonna have to take some risks. You don't have to go out there. I think I think from Malik Willis, like I kind of have two perspectives because I look at it from the NFL draft perspective, and I definitely have him rated lower than most of the players, most of the quarterbacks in last year's class. You know, I'm with you on the skill set and the fear that he sets up, um, and I think when we talk about a player like that right now, a lot of it is about where's he going to go. You know, if he goes to a Pittsburgh and is seated for a year, then I actually think there will be a value increase any year when he does get to start, you know, now people are going to get excited. Uh, if he goes to a new Orleans and starts year one, you know, then, then you're, you're playing the game a little bit to see what he does. But ultimately my guess is there's going to be spike fantasy weeks and you're going to have someone get excited, you know, just like Trey Lance. But like, I, I think Trey Lance played like garbage. Sorry, Kane uh, last year when he was in there, he scored a ton of fantasy points and people are still, you know, really excited. So. I'm telling Trey's mom on you. <laughs> so, just, so, just so you know, she's, she's gonna she's gonna come. She won't be the first parent to come at me. Uh, well, she'll, in, on she'll, Twitter or in person, so. she'll she'll let us know. She obviously listens, right? right. Oh, she well, and yeah, Trey both listen to to the marketplace, so it Clearly, makes sense. But here's here's the question that I have about Malik Willis the most, right? And it just has everything to do with his value. And I wonder if we don't get a value gain out of Malik Willis because we already have him hyped so far, right? Like, because if, if Malik Willis is, let's say he's drafted at like quarterback 18, quarterback 19 in startups, you can have a great value gain, right? Getting up to QB 13, QB 12. Like that's a really solid gain year one, right? But I think the difficulty is that we already have so many elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And when you're already starting out at quarterback 12, like what, what's the, the rise, right? So it's like, okay, some of the, some of the freshmen or the last year's freshman quarterbacks, your, your Trey Lances, your Trevor Lawrence, like they might not hit. So that might move, you know, Malik Willis up a little bit to maybe 10, but Malik Willis would have to do something incredibly special, right? If he wants to rise over Dak, if 
He wants to rise over Joe Burrow. And I think that's partly because we just have so many darn good quarterbacks. And we probably have him too high to start with. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I see I, I see him being drafted at 101, 102 in rookie drafts. And then you look at who's being drafted around him, like a Brees Hall, like a Garrett Wilson, a, a Drake London, Traylon Burks, whoever. And, you know, I'm assuming that a lot of those players are going to gain a little bit of value at the very least. Um, but, I mean, even if you kind of think about just what what would you pay for a 101 right now? Probably about two firsts, you know, something like that. You know, maybe even more than that, you know, depending on, on, on the trade. So you're already talking about two firsts for Malik Willis. Well, that's just out of my price range. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not paying two firsts for Malik Willis. Um, but is he going to be worth more than two firsts next year? I I don't see it. Like, I'm kind of like what you're saying. I feel like he's being drafted at his ceiling if he's being drafted at 101, 102. I have no issues with drafting Malik Willis. I don't think he's a great player, but I've also seen not great prospects hit in the past. And so, like, I'm not saying I'm perfect or, you know, like I, I can't miss or anything like that. So, I, you know, it, I, I have no issues taking him later on in the first. It's when you're talking about 101, 102 is when I start having the issues. Yeah, I mean, th- that's a great point in terms of like, um, it actually kind of led into into a thought that I want to bring up was um, like with these quarterbacks, because I agree with you, a lot of the points that you've made, I completely agree. He's not that great of a passer. Like he's an above or he's a below average prospect in terms of passing for quarterbacks entering the NFL. Like I'm not going to debate that. I agree with you on that end. However, he has the tools, right? And the NFL seems to like those tools because he seems to be the top quarterback in this class, albeit a weak class that does seem to like him. And the thing we've seen these quarterbacks in the past, right? The the Josh Allen, the even the Patrick Mahomes wasn't that good of a passer out of college. He 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 was toolsy. He wasn't that efficient. Um, and and some of the other top guys uh, in the pros right now weren't the best passers out of college, but what they did provide is they had the, the tools, right? They had the raw arm strength and they had, they had the legs. And so I'm not saying that Malik Willis is going to become one of those guys, but he's one of the few guys who could become one of those guys. And so I fully acknowledge that the downside is there, right? Like he could be bad play a year or two as a starting quarterback clearly be outmatched and and never play again but there's also the other side of the spectrum where he he reaches those heights um so it's a matter of what are the percentages on either side and i know you've put together i, I know you've put together a model john where you had these prospects and 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 so i guess my question coming out of that is like what in particular do you see from him that is just super indicative of the fact that he's not going to reach those heights, that he won't be su- successful. I mean, I guess if I had to choose like one thing, it, it would probably be the interceptions more than anything else. You know, like I think a team's going to see that and just say like, look at Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones has rushing, you know, and, and we get excited and he doesn't have the rushing that Malik has, but he still has a rushing ability and probably underrated rushing ability but he's just not good at throwing the ball. And, you know, like teams teams need you to at least be decent. And honestly, I think Jalen Hurts gets like gets hit on too much about being a terrible passer. And he's, he's not a terrible passer. He's a decent passer. But this is the NFL, 
Well, Malik's not even a decent passer, and that's the problem. You know, and that's where I just think that, you know, I'm like I said, I mean, we've seen the transformation for Josh Allen. Now, don't comp anyone to Josh Allen because Josh Allen's an outlier. That's not like don't ever comp anyone to Josh Allen because it's it's just it's very rare, very rare. It's just like don't comp anyone to Tyree Kill. But with Malik, it could happen. I think it's going to take a year or two, and I don't like. I, I don't know about you guys. If I'm completely rebuilding, doing whatever, maybe I, I go ahead and, and I take that shot on the 101 Malik Willis. I'm competing. I've traded for 101s. and one, Actually, I don't think I have any 101s. I've traded for 102s, 104s, 105s, so on and so forth. I I have a league where I'm 99.9% sure that somebody's going to take Brees Hall at 101. There's no way in hell I'm taking Malik Willis at 102. I'm not I'm not rebuilding in that league. I just traded for 102 because I wanted to get Brees Hall possibly. It's probably not going to happen, but I'm not taking I'll take one of the, you know, I'll take one of the wide receivers there because I'm competing and I I'll just replenish with a Garrett Wilson, you know, and I'll be perfectly fine. Uh or Drake London or you know whoever. So I I just think it's all about, you know, what you're trying to do with your team. I get taking the risk, but, you know, like taking the risk of Malik Willis, unless my team's just absolutely amazing, like no one could possibly beat my team, then why am I going to take that risk? Like, just give me give me a good high upside player that I can actually use this season because I don't see that with Malik. You got more thoughts, Nelly? I was just going to ask if you have, who's your favorite quarterback in this class? Honestly, it's Matt Corral. I, I think that he's he's ab- above and beyond, uh, you know, like are far away the 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 QB one in this class. Um, not to say that there's not other ones that are good or decent, but uh, he seems like the one that has answered the most questions. And obviously, you know, like you were talking about before with the model and everything else, you know, like he, I, th- I throw all those numbers in there and then I, I try to give it context and do all that. But honestly, like I try to revert back to the model when it's all said and done. And it's been pretty damn good. Uh, like a 90% hit rate for top 24 QBs and not that top 24 saying much, but you know, that's, that's still pretty good hit rate. <laughs> yeah. I like, I get it. Malik Willis is a scary prospect, but I think just in the, in terms of value, like he, there's a lot of players that are much scarier in terms of value than Malik Willis in this in this class, and I think that's probably why I'll end up getting a lot of Malik Willis, um, because you know, I think a lot of people are going to think similar to you, John. Right? It's like, do I accept that risk? And it's like, well, I am going to draft Malik Willis with the intention that I trade probably at least half the shares at some point, right? Um, knowing that I'm going to move at any value gain. And that's that's enough for me, right? Um, but I I don't think everyone, I well I know everyone doesn't play fantasy football the same way I do, right? I'm just trying <laughs> to gain value in every trade, right? I just want guys that are going to gain value, or I trade for guys that are going to gain value, and and that's kind of how it works for me. Um, but I think I think the biggest argument that that we kind of talk about here especially when we we talk about on the secret shoppers a lot in in the discord is is this idea of like when do rb2s actually die right we were talking about it earlier today right like what when does a running back to actually you know fade out of existence right i know there's no like (laughs) set year right but it's like realistically zeke could continue being an rb2 for three four more years right sure it might not be on 
the Cowboys unless they restructure his deal or, or do something, right? But realistically, we can get a lot of value and a lot, well, not necessarily value, but production out of these older running backs. So it's like, at what point is it just like, well, it looks like my team's just all old running back unless I hit on, on a rookie, right? Is, is that where you're kind of at with, with dynasty running backs? Or are you kind of thinking of it a little bit differently? I think, uh, you know, Peter Howard's done a great job of talking about it. Uh, you know, he, he, Basically, there's kind of waves within uh, like a five year period or even like a 10 year period of uh, fantasy football where you have, you know, uh, you have uh, these great or amazing running backs aging out or, you know, what you would call aging out, but they're still great and amazing. And then, you know, you have other periods where there's not as many great running backs. And so they age out a lot quicker. Well, this has been a we got that 2017 class. And they hit so damn well. And, you know, and, and now we're still seeing them hitting so damn well. And it's because they're really damn good. So, you know, we're, we're just talking about the same players, but it's because no one's replaced them. Well, I do think that next year could be the time when somebody replaces them because, you know, I'm looking at my Debbie model. You guys obviously know about all the Debbie. There, there's quite a good, or quite a few uh, good running backs that are coming out next year, and there's probably going to be some running backs to replace. We also have, you know, running backs hitting that age 27, 28, 29 year old uh, threshold. So I think that's when it is going to become like an actual problem for these old running backs. But as far as you know, right now, yeah, give me a Leonard Fournette, give me a Derrick Henry, give you know, give me a Delvin Cook. Like, like I said, I'm I'm trying to compete in most, if not all, of my leagues. I don't, I'm not saying I'm going out of my way to pay for these, you know, old 29 year old running backs, but you know, I I've done a few startups. I don't know if you guys have done any startups this year. I've done a couple of startups, uh, actually four, but uh, I, Delvin Cook's going in like the seventh round. You know, like uh, Derrick Henry's going to the sixth, uh, so on and so forth. So when you get that kind of value and you've already gotten, you know, I had a league where I started Jamar Chase, CD Lamb, uh, Justin Fields. I don't remember the rest, but then I, I, I got uh, Dalvin Cook and then I got Saquon Barkley after that. So, you know, I'm always going to start a draft that way if that value is presented. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily be amazing next year but like you said it doesn't mean that they're not going to be in rb2 and i I think that people kind of lose that where it's you know like you 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 can still be valuable to your team if you're especially if you're trying to compete even though you're not necessarily as valuable as you were last year and that gets lost quite a bit well i think just here's the other issue right rb just the term rb1 and rb2 is antiquated right like it, it yeah, I obviously would prefer pl- one of the top 12 running backs. But, like, you know, I'd be totally fine having running back 13 and running back 14 on my team. Right? Like, it, the arbitrary number cutoff of, like, of 12 in a 12-team oh, yeah. league it just doesn't make a ton of sense, right? It's like wide receivers. There's how many elite wide receivers? Like, six <laughs> and there's 30 or 40 wide receiver twos, right? Like it, it's just, it's just a cluster after that. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think the, there's just so many good running backs and sure. They're not all going to get jobs. Like we get that. They're not all going to continue to find jobs after, right. After they're done with their current deals, right. 
we know that Zeke could get cut after this season. Same with Dalvin Cook, all those things, right? Like, there, we realize that there's a risk involved, like, getting these older guys. But the production just heavily outweighs the value at, at some of these spots. And it's like, yeah, they're just going to sit on my team. If they end up not going anywhere else, they just sit on my team, right? And that's okay. That's the problem. They're not giving you any kind of value or in trades. You know, the, people aren't giving the proper value in trades is, is what I should say. And so, you know, those gotta, are the kind of guys that you just kind of have to be okay with. Okay, I'm just going to let them die on my roster. You're not going to let every player die. I think, that, like, people assume that just because you let one or two players die that you're, like, ruining your roster. It's like, I have 30 fucking players, you know? Like, I'm not, I'm letting two die on my roster. Why am I going to freak out about that? Yeah, I, th- I think the other part, right, is is well first i did actually get some decent value for dalvin cook which i thought was surprising um i ended up trading dalvin cook for a 23 first and devin singletary which like i like that that's an okay move to me provided that you know the bills just stop thinking that they need another running back they have josh allen they don't need another running back you know um but shane what are your thoughts on kind of these these uh we'll call them the aged running backs i i think it's tricky and i think a lot depends on where you're headed right but <laughs> you know i think as as john said and kane i think what you always preach like if you're a contender there's a time to go get those running backs or to use the last of that talent um and try to win yourself a title or get second and get some money but i've definitely taken over orphaned rosters i've definitely you know had wanted to rebuild or felt like I could do a little bit more where I've taken undervalue for some of those players um, where I would trade Dalvin cook for a 23 first straight up. And it's not a good deal, right? Like it's, you know, you, you probably, you should get more on top of that, but that's sometimes the game that you play. So I think it's fine. Like I think either way is fine to utilize that. Um, and I think you can structure your team around RB twos. Uh, I've definitely gone more in the past couple of years to just, I don't need a great running back roster. I can find ways to kind of deal with that, right? If I have one solid running back, I can find a way to deal with that second spot. And and maybe that solid running back is an RB2, is a Zeke, is someone who's not great week to week, but it's going to have some good spike weeks. I think sometimes in Dynasty, we forget the like players score points on a weekly basis. <laughs> like we just look at the points per game where we look at what the whole year looks like and you know. yeah nelly use total points <laughs> and, <Never. laughs> you know and, and it's hey you know if i start this guy and he gets me like 30 points and i win the week sometimes that's valuable even if he scores two next week sometimes that's yeah. fine and that's good and, and so i think sometimes you have to keep that in mind on like actually playing the games in the weeks and how that could affect your team with these running backs People argued against uh, Tyree Kill for the longest time because of that. You know, he'd give you 32 points one week and then four points the next week. And they're like, he's garbage. You know, he's, he's no good for my team. And meanwhile, you're winning weeks because of it. <laughs> well, and, you know, you can even find that with, like, lower-tiered wide receivers too, right? Like, they were definitely in Claypool's rookie year that, like, he won you a couple weeks if you started him on the right weeks, right? Um, where he just had... Because there were, what, a couple weeks where he had, like, two or three touchdowns and, like, even, like, 80, 90 yards with three touchdowns, you're like, whoa, 
all right, that was my wide receiver four. So it looks like we might have this one in the bag, right? <laughs> and, and like we don't always identify that sometimes, right? It's like, oh, he's a boomer bust player, but that doesn't always mean like that's a bad thing, right? And especially when a bust is relative, right? Some people, some players bust and get like two points. Some players, we call them a bust and they scored nine. Yep. Right. And so I think, I think that's something that uh, Nelly's going to have to teach us more about. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's a, it's a whole other, that's a whole dynasty strategy conversation. That's, whole, I mean, we could do like three pods on that on its own. But I mean, variance, people look at variance in terms of uh, points per game, in terms of how much they're scoring from week to week. And they see it as a bad thing because they want consistency. But like, the good thing with fantasy is you don't start one player a week, right? You start nine, you start 10, you start 11, you start 12. And so when you have those spike weeks, you, you end up like variance is a good thing. You win weeks because of that. Um, so I don't know, maybe this leads to like buying Tyler Lockett at, at the end is the lesson that we take from this. But um, I guess don't be scared off of variance. That's, that's a fair point. Right, because like overall, I think you know we've talked about this so many times of like what actually makes a wide receiver one. Right, it's it's a mix of two things. Right, a large amount of targets, and not just wide receiver one, but like that elite tier of wide receivers. Right, it's a large amount of targets and being super efficient with those targets. Right, like there's there's obviously the Deontay Johnsons that are just have a lot of volume but aren't super efficient, and then you have the super efficient Tyler Lockett's that just don't receive the targets to make it a top tier player. Right. So it's like trying to understand where all of that kind of works together is something that uh, we'll continue to uh, talk about this off season for sure. Um, but yeah, what, what else we need to talk about Shane? Um, yeah. I mean, I, look, I think in terms of, if we want to talk dynasty strategy, I think it's an interesting place. Um, but let me ask John, let me ask you just in terms of rookie picks, how do you approach that? Because I, I think, you know, I'm in leagues where there are guys that cast away a lot of that. You know, they're not, they don't watch college. They don't watch these rookies. They would rather trade them for solid veterans if they're contending or find that, you know, I'm, I probably lean too much the other way and trade for too many picks because, <laughs> you know, I enjoy drafting and that's fun to me, but um, what, what, you know, what do you have kind of one approach? Does it depend on the team? What, uh, what's kind of your strategy with, you know, rookie picks in general? I will say that, uh, it's changed substantially in the past couple of years because I was really bad at rookie analysis a couple of years ago. Um, just because I, I wasn't doing it and I, I, I didn't watch, I, I can't, I don't watch college football. I work every other Saturday and then I have two kids and a wife and a business and you know, whatever else. So like, I don't, I don't get to just sit down and watch. I can't do Saturday and Sunday and I choose Sunday over Saturday. So, you know, therefore I, I don't get to watch, uh, you know, college football. I grew up a Gator. I, I love the Gators, but I don't watch them. You know, it's just it, I, like, I, I care, but I don't really care. And so I, I just, I, I never knew the prospects coming in. I'm listening to, you know, whoever talking about, oh, this guy's going to be good and this guy's going to be good. And then, you know, I, I was wrong a lot because they were wrong a lot. And so I finally got sick of it. And I'm like, you know, I got to start making my own decisions here. I got to start making my own ranks and doing all that. And so, you know, 
last off season, I, I went hard into creating a model, which Nellie knows all about. And I, I spent, I probably didn't even do it the right way because there's guys that know a lot more about Excel and, and R and everything else that goes along with uh, creating models that I did not know, especially going into it. And so I, I, I took months and months and months creating this model. And I, you know, I, I got to the point where I was like pretty happy with it. And then I realized it was crap and then I completely scrapped it. But uh, long story short, I finally got the model to where it's very, very accurate. And so now, you know, like I'm very excited to have these picks. I'm excited to make these picks because I actually believe whether it's, you know, right or wrong, it's been right so far, but uh, you know, whether it's right or wrong, I believe that I can make the right picks or at least, you know, a good majority of the time I can make the right picks and help my team. And so now I'm actually transitioning to the point where I'm trying to go get those 102s, 104s, 105s, you know, so on and so forth. Whereas it used to just be like, oh, I have a first. Why am I not trading this away? Like, give me, uh, you know, Keenan Allen and, you know, and, and I'll give you this in, in, a, in a 22 first, you know, that kind of thing. So I've definitely transitioned or changed, uh, you know, the, the way I play. And, I, you know, I, I love it. I think it's fun. You know, it's more fun. I get to do another draft and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I, I guess that's a very long way of saying that I'm excited about this draft and I know a lot of people aren't and I've said it on my pod, but you know, I feel like I'm the one that's like kind of trying to give excitement to this draft because people are just, just hate on it. But you know, you have a stud running back in Brees Hall, you have stud wide receivers, you know, that are there. You, you have some good QBs even. I just, I think that, you know, people and, and, and good tight ends as well. I think people just want to hate on it a little too much. Cool. People disagree with everything, right? Like, <laughs> but you've talked about your model a little bit. So, who are some players that are kind of standing out in your model um, that that we should keep a lookout for that maybe uh, aren't talked about like as frequently, right? We can always talk about Brees Hall again, right? We know yeah. that he's good, right? But who are some some people? You know, anywhere from like late first to kind of third round that you're like, oh, like here's some players that you should definitely be looking out for. Well, I think one, you know, we can get into a couple sleepers or something in a minute, but like, I think one that people are kind of just torn on is Jahan Dotson. You know, some people just absolutely hate him. Some people love him, so on and so forth. And I, I think that while like, he's not, he's definitely not that top tier guy. I mean, you know, obviously he's not a you know, early, uh, early declare and everything, but I think he just kind of gives me the excitement of like one of those earlier guys, like the top tier guys, but yet not the price. And so, you know, when you're getting them in like the early mid or even sometimes late, uh, you know, uh, second round, I'm very excited about that. I actually really do. Like, I think you want to talk about like a player that has the, uh, like the upside to score you a bunch of points. Like you're talking about with a Malik Willis or somebody like that. That's Jahan Dotson. And, but yet you're taking him in the mid to late second instead of, you know, 101. Like that player, give me every single day of the week. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. Nelly, don't you like Jahan Dotson? Um, if he goes in the first round, I'll take him compared to like where the market likes him. Yeah, and and that's basically where I'm at too. You know, it's like I, I haven't projected at 33 so I mean that's basically you know basically the first round you know it's essentially uh, so yeah you know, at that point like I'm perfectly fine I I know some people I'm not 
saying Nelly at all, but I, I know some people get really rigid with it. Like you're either a first round pick or second round pick or so on and so forth. I'm like, no, I just go by the pick and I'm like, it's close enough. It's a first round pick. Like it's, you know, you might as well be. And so if he gets that kind of draft capital, give me Jahan Dotson all day long. I love him. Well, Shane, you got to teach us something before we go into our buys and sells and close out the show here. Um, so what are you going to teach me today? Yeah, so I, I don't think I've talked about this before, but it's uh, maybe the nastiest election, presidential election of all time. It's the election of 1800. Uh, rematch between, do you know, you know who, who, who was up for election here, Kane? You want me to, do, let me do some quick math here. Uh, and that's, that's Kane's specialty. He loves uh, the maths. Let me. So I gotta. Analytics. Gotta gotta add up some. Uh, when was the first president? Seventeen seventy six. No. No. When was the first president? Seven was uh seventeen ninety two. Okay. Seventeen ninety two. That so, means Jorge Washington. George Washington was seventeen ninety two. Yeah, he didn't he run for two terms. Didn't he? he did. John Adams. Yeah, yeah, this is John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. So I think uh, Washington two terms. Um, so I think I was actually wrong. I think it was seventeen eighty eight because he was eighty eight ninety two. Yeah, I think and, you're right. And then um, John Adams won in seventeen ninety six and ran for reelection. And it was a rematch between him and Thomas Jefferson in eighteen hundred. Um, George Washington unfortunately was dead at this point. Um, which made things a little complicated because Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, they hated each other. They did not like each other. Um, and so this was kind of a rematch. And like, if things got nasty, Thomas Jefferson hired a guy, James Callender was a pamphlet uh, producer to basically just like lie about John Adams uh, and say that John Adams was going to meld the United States back with the British and um, declare war in France. And so people are like, oh, my God, John Adams, you know, uh, he's going to do this. Uh, James Callender also wrote, um, and I'm, I'm going to quote here because it's not the best language. John Adams was a hideous hermaphroditical character, which has neither the force and firmness of a man or the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. So he. Those 1800s were, were ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, you think elections are bad today, man? I mean, they got, they got, they got hot. Uh, if you've seen is, Hamilton, you, you know <laughs> that yeah. stuff gets pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they, they just kind of gleaned <laughs> gleaned over this one in there. Uh, so you know, John Adams had to fight back, and he. This is basically when it was revealed that Thomas Jefferson had slept with his slaves, and um, made claims that Jefferson's parents were not white which, you know, back in 1800 was not, not positive. And John Adams, actually, the, the big thing was that he coaxed Martha Washington, right, George Washington's widow, to come out and bash Thomas Jefferson. And she called him uh, the, one of the most detestable men in history. And, um, you know, that, that, was, that was pretty big at the time. She was, like, super nice, you know, first, first lady, like, John Adams convinced her because Thomas Jefferson had kind of bashed George Washington in private and public after his death. And it was a big thing. So like these guys were brutal. John Adams ends up losing. Uh, and this is the infamous 
Hamilton tie between Thomas Jefferson and um, Aaron Burr because it was the first ever election where there was vice presidential votes cast, and that's why that tie happened. So. Ooh. All right. Well, we learn something every day. Yeah, every week. Always fun. Every it's week good. we I like get it. to learn something. Um, well, let's dive into our buys, sells, unknown stocks. Shane, you want to uh, go first here? Yeah, I'm going to go first. I'm going to give some Debbie guys here. I, I, I'm, I'm going. I'm going deep down, maybe a little too young here for the buy. But if you're in a league where you can draft high school players uh, as Debbie players, um, you know, a buddy of mine cued me in on um, Dylan Rayola. Quarterback, class of 2024. He's the son of Dominic Rayola, center, former Detroit Lions center, and pointed me, point me to some film. And I was like, dude, this like this cat could throw. Like, I, I think he's up there with Arch Manning. Not quite Quinn Ewers, but like pretty close. So hop, he's gonna be a five star. Hop on it now. Just grab him if you have a league where you can do that. Um, my cell. And I said this on the Secret Shopper pod, which you can go on the Discord, 25 bucks a year. You can listen to an extra podcast every week. But, like, I'm, I'm fading freshmen in C2C. I'm just not drafting them. You know, a couple early guys. I like the Penn State guys. But, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to win the college side. That's my goal in C2C. And I, I want to see how that works for a couple years and just see, like, that's it. That's the only focus. Let's see how it goes. My unknown stock, a guy that uh, I like, uh, Nelly, I think Nelly likes as well, is uh, Cameron Ward, the quarterback for Washington State this year, transferred oh, yeah. up. You know, he's an exciting player. Uh, I So, like, I like him. But, like, the hype's really growing, and I'm interested to see where the value – is the value going to get too high? Are people just going to assume, you know, he's going to come in, step in, and be really good, the Bailey Zappi model? So, I, I don't know. I don't know in a couple weeks, in a couple months, when I do my C2C drafts in the summer, how I'm going to feel. But yeah, a little C2C buy, sell, unknown. All right, I think I'm back. I'm going to go real quick, and hopefully before my internet does anything goofy. Um, I am buying Mario Williams. Um, I think he's too cheap, and he's going to produce a lot. Um, uh, someone I, I still don't, I'm still very interested in is uh, Stribling, uh, Nelly's boy at Washington State, um, because I, I just want to see how he's going to to that Washington State offense and just how, what that Washington Washington State offense rather is going to be doing um, in the Pac-12. Um, so that's kind of my unknown there. Just that whole offense, I think, is going to be interesting. Um, and then what I'm selling is just stocking up on a boatload of freshmen in the latter part of a C2C draft. Did we get everything? Yeah. You, look, you crushed you crushed it. Okay, and your internet Perfect. made it through. All right, sweet. Billy, how about you? Yeah, so let's go back to the NFL side here. I'm selling Antonio Gibson. No. This is this is a cost-based um take based on the fact that he's going in like the third, fourth rounds of startups. And, and here's the deal. They brought back, um, they brought back JD McKissick, right? They're, they're bringing in Brees Hall. They're bringing in Kenneth Walker for visits. Like they're interested in adding more to the room and the cost on Antonio Gibson is kind of dependent on him 
becoming a full workhorse. And I, I just don't think that's going to happen. You know, he was a re- receiver in college and people love that and think that he'll become a receiver in the NFL, but it's just not happening. It doesn't seem like it's happening. Um, I am buying uh, Mr. 1,000 yards. I'm buying Brandon Cooks. That's all he does. He puts up 1,000 yards in the season. He just continues to produce and, and no one seems to care. Like he did it last year with Davis Mills. You know, he, he does it with every single team he goes to. And and now he's got another year with Davis Mills, who's maybe going to improve. There's also talks of him getting traded. I mean, who knows? All we know is wherever he goes, he's going to score fantasy points, and he's just too cheap. Um, he's too cheap for that. Now, my my unknown is, is uh, someone who I like, but he's coming into the year hurt, and that's, that's uh, Chris Goblin. You know, he's hurt, so he's not going to play the first half of the year. And his value is, like, very dependent on Tom Brady being there. And we don't know what's going to happen uh, with Brady in the future. Um, and and what's a little bit worrying to me with Chris Godwin is his target share numbers are, are relatively low. And he's just seeing a ton of targets because there's just a ton of targets to go around in Tampa Bay. Um so I don't know what to do with him because he's relatively expensive and he's going to produce a lot this year once he's healthy. But who knows when he'll be healthy and who knows what's going to happen with Brady in the future. All right. I, I guess that brings me up. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I, I don't know exactly the order if we're supposed to go buy, sell, uh, unknown or, or you know whatever it is. But I'm going to go go ahead and start with my sell. And it's uh, Tank Bigsby uh, on the Debbie side, obviously. And I just think that people people were comping him, or not comping him, but they were putting him in the same level as like a Bijan Robinson, uh, you know, not too long ago. And he's just not Bijan. Like he's not in that tier. Uh, in fact, to, for me, he's not even close to that tier. Um, and I I see him dropping. I've heard a lot of Debbie podcasts, probably you guys even talking about him. And you know, like he's dropping and dropping. But I still don't even think he's dropped enough. I mean, I still see a lot of, of, of uh, rankings and everything with him in the top 10. Uh, and I just don't see it. Uh, obviously, I, I know there's some there's some like rumors out there that he was hurt last year. And maybe that's true. I don't know. I'm, I'm not there. Like I said, I don't even watch it. So <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, just based on what he's done in the first couple of years, he's not in that same tier. And, you know, you should not be drafting him in the uh, in the top 10 of uh Debbie running backs, in my opinion, at least. Um, as far as a buy, give me uh, Jalen Reed. And it's kind of like a sleeper, if you will. Uh, or Jaden Reed, I'm sorry, Jaden Reed. And uh, it's kind of a sleeper, but you know he moved from Western Michigan to Michigan State a couple years ago. Then last year, he, he kind of blew up. He ended up having 1,026 yards, 17.4 yards per reception. 10 touchdowns, even had a couple of rushing attempts. Um, just not a name that I hear a lot. You know, maybe some people are on them. I, I don't know, but uh, just definitely somebody I'd be buying because I'm pretty sure that he's a lot lower than where I have him. Um, and then as far as the unknown, I think another Debbie prospect that I was very high on until he just destroyed his leg is Dante Damus. Demus, I, I don't know exactly how to say it. Um, but the guy was just blowing up last year, and then he blew up his leg as well, <laughs> as sad as that is. And so, you know, that's the unknown. It's just, is he going to be completely healthy? Because as far as I know, he's coming back. And um, I even looked it up earlier today just to see, like, you know, what's the team saying about it? And 
everything I see in the news is just he's coming back. Uh, so I guess maybe it's not all doom and gloom. But, you know, I, I saw that knee injury and I thought it was kind of like career ending. But, you know, maybe it's not. Uh, but that's the unknown. I thought he was on a trajectory to be an NFL wide receiver. And we'll just have to wait and see if he can come back fully healthy. Boom. We did it. We made it through another episode. Kane, you feeling good? It, can you hear me? Is my yeah, you're working? good. You're, you're good. Hot dog. Hey, we, we made it through. Um, we are just, we're continuing the countdown until the NFL draft um, where. Yeah, well, uh, that, <laughs> yeah, I guess Kane's internet just <laughs> dies again. You're back, Kane. You can finish your thought. I was, I was going to try to, I was about to hop in. No, we're just we're ready for the NFL draft to basically tell us that all of our rookie takes that we've been talking about for the how many months are all wrong. Um, so really ready for that. Um, that's going to be great. Um, but make sure you're checking out Shane's content over at uh, Draft Countdown. Making sure you, make sure you check out John's content. Um, he's on Twitter at Dynasty Coach A on the Twitter box. Make sure you're checking out the Dynasty Monocle and everything that he does over there, including his his uh, Patreon and all that stuff. Like Nelly, like throwing numbers at him. I think he likes that. Yeah, that just is, just t- tell me I'm wrong to a tweet, and that'll that'll fulfill my argument need, my argumentative need for the day. Perfect. Um, and uh, make sure that you're joining the Patreon. Patreon's completely free. Some or not Patreon, Hoofta. Um, the Discord. The Discord's completely free. So make sure that you're joining it. Um, and then if you want to get the special access to all the Nelly stuff, you can certainly do that. It's just $25 for the entire year because we don't want people to spend a ton of money just for our content. So make sure you check that out. Bob, on behalf of all of us here at the Debbie Marketplace, thank you so much for listening and we appreciate every single one of you.